Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the child in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Well, welcome listeners to a very special edition of Red Seed Roundup on this July the 31st, 2019. It is with uh, heavy hearts that we are here to discuss and and kind of just pray for the community of Westphalia and the, the Church of the Visitation. So I just wanted to open up and say, welcome, Dennis. I've got Dennis here. And we're going to do, again, the special edition. To... Good morning, Pam. Good morning. It's good to have you and see you. Thank you for having me part of the show today. I'm very honored. Very yes. honored. We had, uh, as you mentioned, the, uh, the church, uh, Our Lady of the Visitation, uh, burned down to the ground two days ago. Yes, indeed. Around the same time in the morning, it was completely to the ground, uh, unfortunately. And we have some close ties in our community here to the the pastor there, as he was a pastor here in the College Station Parish of St. Thomas Aquinas for a number of years before he moved out to Westphalia. So he's got dear friends here in this town, and we uh, were able to reach out to him, as we'll hear later in the show. Right. We're very glad that we could be able to talk about that for just a little bit. Um the the idea for the show came about, Dennis, because my phone started blowing up that day from all the concerns, mm-hmm. um, some of my women's groups that I'm a part of, and just really, hearts really hurting and mm-hmm. mourning. So um, as the Holy Spirit, work it all out. We were able to get Father Edwin on the phone and be right. able to discuss with him. So I'm really looking forward to that. And we posted the, the information on Facebook as fast as we could. Uh, as soon as we found out, we were posting it that morning. Uh, pretty quickly, I think I found out as the fire was really about halfway through. And so we were able to post on our Facebook pages, and the response was almost unanimously the same. Is Father Edwin okay? Mm-hmm. Is everyone okay there? It wasn't strictly about the parish and the, the church building itself, which is a tremendous loss, but uh, it was about the people and about uh, Father Edwin and how he's doing. And so we are happy to report he is okay. He is alive and well. No injuries are reported from the fire uh, on the uh, fire itself, nor in the rescue effort or, or the uh, the retrieval effort, as we'll find out, as the trying to save the building effort right, and right. the rectory next door. So um, 
we had a lot of a lot of great responses on Facebook that we had, and, and uh, Charles Estrada in our Waco listening area asked about the Blessed Sacrament, if it was okay, and that was also another question many people asked. He also asked about the relic of the true cross that they have there mm-hmm. at that parish, mm-hmm. and we'll find out a little bit more about that later on in our interview with Father Edwin, and the answers are coming, but uh, the... Uh, the true cross, they're still looking for that relic, as we'll find out. But they also are uh, happy to say that most of the Blessed Sacrament was preserved, uh, although I bet it was a bit, you know, a bit damaged. And and so it's been treated with its proper reverence and... and Beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's proper treatment. And so we also had a lot of people in our own community um, of Bryan College Station, as well as our own community in the Waco listening area, that were expressing concern and people that have grown up in that church and, and been baptized and married in that church, a lot of, right. a lot of impact. It's beautiful. Yes. That you said the, this was going to be the 125th year anniversary for right this, uh, the parish for the building itself. The building. Yeah. The parish day. is older. I think about 14 oh, years right. older, um, that we'll find out. Father Edwin gave some great information, so stay tuned to the end of this hour to hear a wonderful interview from Father Edwin Cagu coming up at the end of this hour, but we also have an interview with uh, with uh, Michael Rea, who's going to talk about sacred architecture and the history of painted churches, mm-hmm. and he'll be discussing with Thaddeus. We also are going to play an interview with the bishop, who had a wonderful press conference right outside the church, and as you'll hear the sounds of the the, the church crackling, and the uh, the the church, essentially, you'll hear fire extinguishers in the background of him mm-hmm. right outside the church. So wow. uh, we'll be playing that throughout um, throughout this uh, this segment, uh, that interview with Bishop Joe, and then we'll talk to Father. Uh, to keep saying Father uh, Father Edwin at the end of the show, but uh, Michael Rea right after the break. So your reactions. I'm I'm very happy Father Edwin is safe. He sounded good. Yeah, sounded really good. So I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of that interview. But yeah, that and it's such gentle, loving words yeah. from Father Edwin as you would come to. We've come to know and love oh, about yeah. him. So it's really quite beautiful. So while the, we are going to be reverent. talking about um, this tragedy, you will hear in the voices of many that will be chiming in just that thread of hope and beauty and love yeah. that is our Catholic faith. Yeah, and Bishop Joe will say it well about the architecture of this church. It is lost. Uh, I can speak to it myself. I was there a couple of years ago to to pay a pop-in visit with Father Edwin, caught him after a Mass, and he was just finishing a baptism. And my favorite memory, besides the beautiful aspect of the church and the beauty that you can see online uh, of what it looked like before it burned, was walking down the aisle, hearing the creak, creak, mm. creak of all the wooden boards, because sure. it was truly a wooden church, which will explain why it went up, why it went up so fast. Mm-hmm. Um because there was a lot to a lot of fuel for that fire in this parish. But why don't we have the bishops interview now right. and let people hear? Uh, we we pulled this from the Diocese of Austin Facebook page, and it's an interview with our very own Bishop Vasquez on the Church of the Visitation fire just two days ago. My name is uh, Bishop Joe Vasquez of the Diocese of Austin, and uh, very saddened today by this uh, tragic event of the uh, fire that destroyed our church here. The Church of the Visitation in Westphalia. It's extremely difficult and painful to be here uh, and seeing the ruins now and the smoke. Uh, and I'm very de- deeply uh, affected by this. I know that the people here 
uh, are also brokenhearted. Their pastor here, Father Edwin Cagoo, as well as this local community. And yeah, I want to first of all express my gratitude to Father Edwin, uh, to the community as well, to the parishioners, and also especially to the uh, firefighters. I know many of them are volunteer, and so they've made the effort to come here from distances to make sure to respond to this fire. Um, even in this moment of tragedy and pain and suffering, uh, God is part of us, and God does not abandon His church in moments like this. So we have the assurance that God is going to sustain us through our faith, our Catholic faith that tells us that we are never alone, and also through the intercession of Mary, our beloved mother, who is always there, especially with her son Jesus at the foot of the cross, she is also present here right now with us. Uh, this day uh, will be definitely remembered. This community was getting ready to celebrate its 125th anniversary. We were making great plans to make it a special event, another significant moment in the life of this church. This is truly one of our treasured churches uh, because of its history, because of the tradition here, because of the love of the people, the faith of the people. And so that love and faith is not diminished. It's not in any way weakened. In fact, I believe that from these ashes, it will grow even stronger. And the people and the community will come together to be able to do the things they need to do once again, to pray as a community, to support one another as a community, and to live out as Christ would want them to live. So I'm grateful for your presence coming out here today and being with this community that's hurting very much. There are long days ahead, long months still ahead, uh, but we need the prayers. And I'm grateful to the ministers that have come out and expressed their support and love for us. So thank you very much. No, I, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. There's still obviously a lot of investigation that has to take place. So we're confident that with the help of many, we're going to be able to determine what exactly caused this fire and this devastation. Has there been any... We believe the tabernacle is indeed in uh, our hall, the parish hall over here, and so we're going to go and look at it because we have to make sure the Blessed Sacrament is taken care of. That's most concerning to us. So I'm grateful for those that risked their lives to go back into the church, even though it was on fire, to be able to grab the tabernacle and save it. And that's very precious to us. I'm also grateful that no one was hurt or injured. I'm glad that there was no loss of life. I mean, you can replace a building, you can replace things, you cannot replace life. Has, so I'm grateful for that. Sorry, have there been any thought as to where they, um, the members were worshiped? We're still looking into that. We have yet to determine it. I'm hoping that they'll be able to worship here nearby. Uh, they have buildings that they can still utilize for that. Uh, so we're still looking into that. We'll determine, make that determination and then we'll announce that to the whole community. Way too early, but it's still a question everybody's gonna ask. Rebuild? I think, yes, we have to rebuild. The, the great tradition of this place is, is too much that we can't abandon it. Uh, this, is a, this is a place that means so much to people. People brought their children to be baptized here. They were married here. Uh, they celebrated the sacraments here. They were buried from this church. There's a great love and tradition of this church. We definitely, I would say, yes, we would rebuild. Um, a couple of people were saying this. I just Can you confirm this was the largest wooden Catholic church in Texas? I'm not certain about that. It definitely was up there as part of those wooden churches that you see throughout Central Texas. Very typical of that. Uh, the beauty of this church is, was that you were able to drive up and it almost seemed from the 
fields, this, the towers would rise up and the church you could see from a distance. A thing of beauty, definitely always praising God. So that's, that's the great thing about this. This architectural beauty is now a loss and uh, that's what saddens all of us here. Oh, it's critical. As I said, I'm grateful for the presence of the ministers who are here, people from nearby. They've come together. They really know each other. This is family. This is not just uh, different people. This is truly family, and that's the beauty of this. Families have come together. Is there a lot of hope that I would say it's, it's, it's right now their presence. Just being here with Bernard, I've seen tears. I felt the, the pain and the suffering that's in their hearts. But they've come together. It's not a time for us to pull apart. It's a time for us to sustain each other in that faith. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank, Thank you very much. Well, you are listening to Red Sea Roundup on this Wednesday afternoon or morning still, I believe. And we are discussing the church fire over in Westphalia, uh, very near and dear to our hearts today. But we wanted to to share just just our own personal reactions because we, we thank Bishop Joe for in the middle of that interview, as Thaddeus mentioned earlier, evangelizing to, mm. to the secular public, to the secular news about our faith. And so we want to thank him for doing that, because in the midst of tragedy, there is a lot of wonderful and glorious things that have happened. Well, one of the things that really struck me, too, about some of the questions is how um, how really delicate they were, like the Blessed Sacrament and yes. the families and where shall they worship. And right. so it really went to a concern for the people of the community. And, right. it, it, you know, there wasn't like you know, questions you really wouldn't want to ask right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's not mm-hmm. it's not all about who did this. Is this arson? Is exactly. it terrorism? Is it you know? It's not. It wasn't. Like it's not that. about the why right now. That will come out in due time. And our no. interview doesn't focus that on on that not as well all. because mm-hmm. the important part is the safety and the community and and Jesus. You know, and so um, what, one other thing that we are told and thank you, Angelo Konsky, for letting us know and reminding us that. Our dear friend, Father Daryl Costilla, who was ordained just not too long ago, spent some time here in Bryan um, as their their uh, associate pastor as his first assignment, then moved to our parish in West, which is also in our listening area, uh, served there for a while, and now has been uh, serving as the pastor at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Burlington, Texas. Mm. He grew up at that church, so this is very near and very dear to his heart as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, thank you, Angela, for that reminder. But uh, thank you for the community of our Red Sea Catholic Radio listeners. So as we go to the break, and we want to remind our listeners that uh, we won't be doing a call-in show at this point, but go to our Facebook page, go to redsearadio.org, or our Red Sea Radio uh, Facebook page in Central Texas as we go to the break, and we'll have some bumper music coming up, and we're going to go straight into the interview with uh, Michael Rea about church architecture. Look at our Facebook pages and give your memories, your thoughts, and your opinions and your ideas right after the break. I was 
Well, welcome back to this very special edition of Red Sea Roundup. We are discussing the church fire in Westphalia and just trying to get um, an idea and get our minds around all that's gone on in that little community and what is yet to come. It's a, a tragic day, but there's so much love and hope flowing forth from that area. And we're so very excited to, to, to actually talk about just the gift that the church has been. And we have a special guest that's going to be joining us right now. Yeah, uh, Pam, this is uh, Thaddeus Romanski here, the, the general manager of Red Sea Catholic Radio, and um, I was excited to be able to bring back somebody we've had on a few weeks prior to talk about another internationally famous uh, fire, the blaze that consumed part of the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris, and the, the guy that we brought on to just talk about sacred architecture in general and to help us understand um, better what the what the loss of some of that uh, great landmark was Michael Rea is on the phone with us now and he is the lead architect for the new church that's going to be constructed here at St. Mary's in College Station Texas and he's been generous enough to give us a little bit of time this morning so Michael good morning and say hello to our listeners Good morning, Thaddeus and Pam. Good morning, listeners. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I, I want. I called you yesterday and said, "Hey, can you come on real quickly on short notice and give us some some context for understanding the the loss of this church and and what it was and where it fits into Catholic church architecture on short notice?" And you said you'd be happy to do that. So, um, why don't we start there with you? You. Um, you said that you you had not you were sadly not able to make it to this church before it was was consumed, correct? That's right. Yeah, actually, I had uh, an appointment, uh, two meetings, uh, just on either side of Westphalia in um, Cyclone in Burlington um, and uh, in Marlin, and so Westphalia was on my way, and I was planning to see the church for the first time, and I literally missed it by one day. Um, I think the interesting thing is that there are gems like this that exist in our state, even in our diocese, um, tucked into uh, little pockets that we might not be aware of. Um, before I started doing a little bit of work for St. Joseph in Marlin, uh, I had never been to Marlin, never knew the story of that uh, amazing town there, um, a lot of great history. So Texas has these these beautiful churches. Our diocese has several of them that are really tucked into um, little pockets that we might not be familiar with, even if we are architecture enthusiasts like myself. Um, so that's really a testament to the uh, history and the faith of the people that preserve a lot of these structures. There's still um, several of them around, and uh, I think it really underscores the importance of um, preserving these these beautiful edifices that are a testament to our faith, that are a, a sacramentalization of the mystical body of Christ and of the parish community. Yes. Now, would you want to give listeners maybe a, a general overview of are there some kind of typical characteristics that um, span across many of these um, Texas painted churches as they're known where does that term come from and and what what is a what are some common architectural features that that characterize these these buildings sure well um, one of the common characteristics is that uh, many of them not all uh, are wooden um, the painted churches Properly speaking, according to most people's classification, um, are primarily around the Schulenburg area, kind of on I-10, 
about the halfway point between Houston and San Antonio. So there are several around there, uh, Dubina, uh, Praha, Amundsville. Uh, those are those are some of the ones that are very well known. So there's a handful like Westphalia that were uh, sort of hanging out and, and hiding in other parts of the state that may not have been known as well. Um, certainly to the to the locals, they were to the people that would drive past and be able to see the bell towers from miles away. Um, but a lot of these churches were wooden. A few uh, were brick. That was really uh, sort of a, a trend that began in the 19, uh, early 1900s. The first 20 years or so um, saw a phasing out of the wood architecture and a transition to some of the brick in places where they could afford it. Uh, but in a lot of places in the 1910s and the 19 teens, they were still building these wooden churches. And primarily for the uh, German and Czech, as well as some eth other ethnic groups that immigrated to uh, Texas, the goal was to reproduce uh, to their abilities with the materials they had available, something that was similar to the uh, European architecture, um, much of the Gothic architecture that they would have had from their, uh, their places, their, their, their homelands, and uh, something that they could um, build in Texas that was a fitting tribute to their faith. So a lot of these churches would have been built out of wood, locally sourced um, trees that were cut down right there on site. As uh, one of my clients, St. Mary of the Assumption in String Prairie, Texas, uh, can attest to, there's a lot of lumber there that looks like it's brand new and it's uh, 120 years old. And it was cut down from a few feet from the church. Um, so local materials, um, the use of paint um, to uh, create ornamentation and, and beautification to um, point to the reality of the mysteries of the, the sacraments and the liturgy. Now, you may not be able to answer this question, but are these um, these, chur these churches that are constructed in some of these small um, Texas and, and Czech and Bohemian um, communities, were they exactly replicating the kind of wooden structure that they would have had in their, in their village? Uh, back in the old country, or are they more trying to mod model on a maybe more modest scale with more modest materials what they had in some of the larger um, cities that they may have lived outside of? Do you kind of see what I'm what I'm getting at? I do. I, I think that it's probably some of both. I can't speak um, as authoritatively as you might hope there. Um, my impression is it's a bit of both. Um, for example, you see in England, um, there's a sort of miniaturization of uh, the Gothic, you know, the, the very, very beautiful Gothic churches around London and some of the other large cities brought out to the countryside. And so you have this development of this country Gothic that has lower proportions and a little bit um, gentler um, features. So there's certainly some of that, you know, intentional um, scaling down, but also just the, the reality of what they had uh, at their disposal. Um, one of the things that I often find myself asking uh, when I go into some of these towns, it's amazing. You see this beautiful uh, large church in a town that's otherwise very small. There's not a lot there. And you wonder, gosh, you know what happened? <laughs> you know, today we would expect the big, beautiful churches to be in areas where there's a lot of money, a lot of people. Um, there's a little bit of a, a, a two-part uh, history there as well, I think. In certain towns, there was uh, growth. There was, you know, a booming economy. Um, there was a trajectory where needs were anticipated uh, to kind of surpass where they actually ended up plateauing at. And so we can go into some towns and see that there's maybe a bit of decline. Um, in other cases, I think it's really just a testament to the faith of the people that wanted to build something beautiful, even though there was not a large town and a, and a massive parish population to support um, a big, beautiful church. It was simply giving God 
their first, their best, um, giving God the greatest that they could as a testament of their faith. And so I think there's always an element of that that we need to keep in mind when we're building churches. It's not just about meeting the practical needs. Um, it's about meeting our spiritual needs. And there's something really important about that aspect of um, sacrificial giving, sacrificial building, um, giving God our, our best and our greatest. Yeah, I think that's a great point to sort of linger on this fact preserved in stone and in wood of these people's faith and their belief that um, the most important thing that they could build and create and do, which is worship God, is the most useless thing. It has, it has the least practical utility. Um, we're doing it simply because God deserves all the honor and glory. He deserves all of our praise. He deserves to have us worship Him and pray to Him constantly, as as St. Paul encouraged us. And these are testaments to that. These people, I did some of the homework I did on Westphalia specifically, they arrived there in 1879 and immediately parishioners purchased 100 acres to build a church and a school. That was one of the first things that they did. They immediately started offering Mass in the home of one of the settlers, and they had a church built um, by 1882. So these these folks are laying down first roots, and one of the first things they're doing is making sure that they have the Blessed Sacrament and a place to have Mass offered for them. That's right, and that's a common trend um, across hundreds, if not thousands, of towns uh, around Texas and around the U.S. Um, the the first folks to settle the areas wanted to do that. They wanted to um, first uh, establish a place of worship to give glory to God, to have a spiritual home, a place that gave um, you know that was the source of their identity. And I think that's why um, it's particularly painful. Um, our Protestant brothers and sisters might look at this and share in um, in some sadness, but kind of wonder, you know, okay, well, the church is, is not a building, a church is the people. Well, it's sort of a half-truth. Um, the, the church is called, the church building is called the church as well, um, because it is a sacramentalization, the making material of this spiritual reality. And so, uh, like with all of the sacraments, um, it's not that uh, the bread and the wine, um, the, the water of baptism, it's not like these are extras. Um, these are integral to the sacrament itself. Um, God's grace, His His nature, His being, is communicated to us through these uh, material conduits, if you will. Um, and so we experience God, um, the invisible spiritual reality of God, through the physical world, through material, and that's why He gave us bodies with senses. And so um, a church, you know, the loss of a church building, like the tragic loss of the Church of the Visitation in Westphalia, is. Um, a loss in a sense of something as well. It's a loss of a symbol of our identity. Right. So it can be very painful in that way. It is true that a building can be rebuilt, but um, there's also a loss of this visible outward sign of right. our identity in the same way as um, the loss of the Blessed Sacrament is not a loss of Christ himself per se, um, but it is a loss of um, our manifestation, our experience of Christ, and we reverence it as Christ himself because it's his very body and blood. 
Hi, Michael. This is Pam. Uh, I'm a convert to the faith, and, and this was something that just came to my attention um, just a short time ago in context of building the new um, cathedral here at St. Mary's, and, and that is how the—and I'd like for—you are speaking to it, but I, I want to reel it back in a little bit for uh, the basics on it, is how these sacred spaces are um, are built with the thought in mind to transport us kind of like, like, like we're walking out of the world in a sense and into a a heavenly sacred space. Can you, can you can kind of historically back us up and talk about that? Cause that was really new for me as a convert, um, at, in the last couple of years. So can you kind of tell me more about that part? Sure. Thanks, Pam. Um, I have to say this is an area where um, cradle Catholics and converts alike can share some giddy enthusiasm for things that might be brand new to us. Um, having been born and raised Catholic, there's so much in this, uh, the tradition, uh, the architectural uh, theology of the church, the theology of our sacred arts that was new to me. And understanding that it's not just um, sort of, you know, there's this culture of arts that was separate from the church's teaching, but it was really integral. And there's always this relationship between um, the arts and and the theology, uh, where the arts are expressing the theology. They're expressing our ideas about God, our ideas about um, who we are as uh, the body of Christ, what's intended for us, our work here on earth. And so I think there's always... Um, the, you know, that important notion that God has a plan for what we do with sacred music, sacred art, sacred architecture. He's given us a roadmap of how he wants to be worshipped and glorified. And that needs to be placed within the larger uh, continuity of the faith, going all the way back to uh, the, the tradition of the temple, the Jewish people in Jerusalem um, in Jesus' time, as well as in the Old Testament time, um, hundreds, thousands of years before that, um, even all the way to the Garden of Eden. And if we understand the uh, entire context of salvation history, starting with Adam and Eve, the plan for original communion with God, um, free of sin, uh, in this place where the world was communicating um, to to man and to woman uh, the nature of God and his goodness and his plan for us to be part of his family, to be in communion with him. Um, But then sin breaks that down. And so God is gradually reintroducing himself to humanity. And so we look at Uh, The original model for our churches today, which was the temple, and before that, the meeting tent in the desert, the desert tabernacle of Moses. And all those had in common the idea that they were hearkening back, looking back to the Garden of Eden, to a time of perfection, but also looking forward to a time when that perfection would be restored. And Jesus uh, himself, as the Messiah, would restore uh, to us as the new Adam that relationship that Adam and Eve originally enjoyed with God before original sin entered the world. So our churches are really a fulfillment of this. They're uh, kind of the next step, the progression, our understanding, um, of course, with the overlay, uh, the flavor of our uh, culture and a lot of the things that we have, you know, architectural styles and materials and all of those things that change over time. They're still grounded in the theology. They're rooted to this living tradition that's dynamic. um, And so we're constantly seeking ways to to explore and to uh, convey this truth to sacramentalize the invisible mysteries of the liturgy. So when people see it, they say, wow, that's really special. I wonder what's going on there. What is the why behind the what? Um, what does a bell tower symbolize? What, why, why is the sanctuary uh, set back and, you know, in, in the way that it is, there's this three-part arrangement of narthex and nave and sanctuary that imitates um, and kind of harkens back to the temple arrangement where there was a porch and a holy place and the holy of holies. Why is that? 
So we're able to kind of tell the story of what God has been doing throughout all of salvation history with the church building. So it's not merely uh, just something that, you know, we think looks nice um, and, and is beautiful or this or that. It really, it, there are various um, expressions and interpretations of the same theology, um, what God is doing in the sacraments, what he's always been doing to call us back into union with himself. I think, th- thank you very much, Michael. I, uh, we could spend so much more time on this very topic, delving more into it, and perhaps we can have you back on uh, in some months' time to do just that. But I want to close out our time with you this morning. Again, thank you. Uh, with this wonderful quote from St. Faustina Kowalska, who gave us the devotion to the um, Divine Mercy, and it's, Love is a mystery that transforms everything it touches into things beautiful and pleasing to God. And you see here these parishioners, um, the priest who was in, in Westphalia in the early years, their love, their willingness to sacrifice for others' good transformed these simple materials of stone and wood into things beautiful and pleasing to God. And, and let, let us make our lives um, be- things beautiful and pleasing to God by by living out holy lives. So, thank you very Amen. much, I Michael. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, yes, please you. join me in praying for Father Edwin and and uh, for everybody there in Westphalia. And um, may we all pray for the leadership and their discernment moving forward. Yes, Amen. Well said. And we will be back in touch with you soon. And thank you again, Michael. This has been Michael Rea, Sacred Architect, talking with us about the, uh, the trying to contextualize the loss of the the church in Westphalia. And now we're going to be bringing you here in a few minutes this exclusive interview we had with mm-hmm. the pastor yeah. of the church in Westphalia, Father Edwin Cagu. Can you all set that up for our listeners in case they're not familiar with Father Edwin? Well, Father Edwin, uh, as I mentioned, was the pastor uh, previously at St. Thomas Aquinas in College Station, and um, for a number of years— a good probably five plus years, six, six years. About six years, yeah. And then he uh, was transferred over to Westphalia. Um, you know, some may believe now for this purpose, for his leadership and his heart. Right. He the had beauty a, that is him. has a tremendous yeah. heart and a tremendous devotion to our Lord mm. and, and our Blessed Mother. And so that that certainly will come out in his interview. But I, I reached out to him the morning of the fire just to see if he was safe and— um, he gave such a—told a, him how much we love him, and so many people are asking, and he, he told us, uh, thank you, Dennis, God's protection and care was always there, even in the devastating fire. Mm. Our Blessed Mother had her eyes watching us as the church burnt down in about half an hour. Yeah. It's a very fast fire. Very fast. And he put love and blessings to all of you, and mm-hmm. he will convey that in this interview. And Pam, tell, tell us about how you kind of reached out to him to, to schedule this interview. Well, this is kind of a, definitely a Holy Spirit moment. Um, I did not, I get the fifth Wednesdays, and so I did not have anything really planned or scheduled for this week. <laughs> on-air confession here. Yes, on-air, yes. But you know, I have, I have great faith as far as God usually has never let me down, and today is really such a great way to say that. I put a lot of trust and faith in Him. But anyway, 
praying for it and about what to do. I was coming up with another one of my virtue themed. Um, and then this happened on Monday. And so Monday, Monday night, I believe it was, I reached out to Father Edwin mm-hmm. uh, because there had been such an outpouring of just my friends too. Just how is he? How are things? We need to pray for this community. Just such a beautiful outflowing of love for, um, for him and for their community. So I just reached out to him and said, would you be able to come on air with us? Um, and today, if you've been listening, has just fallen into place, um, only short of a miracle, which is the Holy Spirit at work, um, to just give thanks and praise to God for this parish community. And we pray that after you've listened to this this show, you will start to to really hear all the hope and goodness that is coming from this event. So we're about to now listen to Father Edwin Kagu, pastor of the Church of the Visitation in Westphalia. As you know, you're listening to Red Sea Roundup with this exclusive interview with Father Edwin about the church fire that happened two days ago in Westphalia. Thank you so much, Father Edwin, for joining us today. I know that you're really, really busy with everything that's going on, and and I just want you to know that um, the prayers from the Brazos Valley and beyond are really with you and the community of Westphalia right now, and that personally, Father, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm uh, very grateful to uh, all the support of all the people, um, especially when I uh, see people from College Station and all over the world reaching out. It's uh, I can feel uh, uh, the power of uh, uh, you know God's presence in our midst, the solidarity of people, and uh, it's a great strength. It's uh, so uh, amidst all this that you know this uh, vacant land that I see now, um, the once beautiful church. Uh, gone, but we can still feel uh, God is still present here. So like yesterday we heard uh, God was speaking to Moses in a tent. Uh, I feel now that God is present here Mm. and he's speaking to us. So, uh, And I thank uh, all the people, especially in the Brazos Valley and uh, all over the diocese. And like I said, it has become a world news and from uh, everywhere I'm hearing uh, you know, people extending the support and uh, and the prayers. So uh, it's wonderful to know that. Yes, I, I know that several people reached out to me just to ask um, how you were. Again, uh, were you there at the time when it started? Were you safe in the rectory? I don't know if the rec- rectory is close by. Um, yes. But we're just we're glad that you're safe um, and everybody was safe. There was there's no one there at the time. Is that correct? That's great. That's the biggest miracle that we have. That um, you know, it happened sometime between seven fifty and eight o'clock that morning, Monday morning. So um, yes, uh, the church was open as uh, we do every day at five forty-five. But um, something uh, they believe we, we haven't got the full result of the investigation. So the fire broke out of the. the Outside of the church on the bell tower, mm-hmm. and it uh, very soon engulfed the whole place, and um, it was in smoke. And at that particular time, I was in my house, and all that I could hear was some, uh, you know, some popping noise. And I thought somebody is uh, out there early morning doing lawn mowing and mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. So that uh, the volume increased a little bit, and then I felt a little, you know, I smelled smoke. So immediately I came out and I saw half the church was already gone. Mm. And then uh, 
uh, they asked me to run out of the house because the wind was so strong and it was blowing towards the house. And so um, in a matter of minutes, uh, the house could have been on fire. So the, so the uh, firemen were uh, very quickly, they got uh, from all the surrounding counties. So we had about 20 uh, fire trucks and we had um, one from Temple with a ladder. So uh, they gave up on the church. They could not salvage and they started saving the rectory. So um, that's what happened. So God saved me. If it happened a few hours earlier, um, I would have been consumed because I would have been asleep. Wow. If it happened exactly 24 hours ahead, all the people in the church, because we had gathered for mass, mm-hmm. a mass at 8 o'clock, so, uh, especially the elderly people and so on, uh, fire and smoke would have been a great danger to them. So, so looking at all that, we are very grateful to God. Uh, we have lost something, but we have lost, we did not lose anyone. So that's great. What a blessing. Yeah, Father, I w- I'd like to just kind of ask what kind of prayers you would like from everyone listening. There's so many of us that, you know, just feel so helpless in the situation. Uh, but I know that our prayers are very powerful for you and for that community at this time. So um, can you give us something that you would, a very specific prayer intention you would like for the people of the Brazos Valley and our radio listeners to be able to, to pray for you and your parish community? Sure, sure. And I know every church, our, especially our own parish church, is like a mother. And for these people, um, this has been their mother, the church, for 125 years. Mm. And so they were born here, baptized in the church, and received all the sacraments, and their uh, loved ones are uh, you know, brought here when they died and they're buried here. So this is their home, and this is their mother. Mm. So uh, yesterday the thought came to me, you know, this is like grieving for your mother. Um, so the mother is irreplaceable. Um, you can have so many other people, but then there is only one mother. So although we know the church, our whole community, uh, the universal church is our mother, in a sense, uh, your particular church, your parish is your mother. So as the people grieve, uh, we can say so many things, but um, words cannot fully comfort them, what they go through. And I've been here only three years, but all these people have been here, you know, their whole life. So I shared with them that that sorrow, that pain. So that thought came to me. But you know what God does? Uh, he takes one mother, but he gives us a, a greater mother. The Blessed Mother is there. So what I pray for is, um, although you know people want to constantly look back and have those memories, which at this time is okay for them to do, that God will help them to look forward, not look back. Uh, look back you'll have only memories, which are good to always keep and say, uh, you know, what they did for us and how God has helped us all these years and to say thanks. But to look forward and say, we trust in you, God. As a little boy, you know, the, on that evening, um, as I was standing there, a couple of kids came to me. They came to me with a, a bouquet of flowers. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a hug. And they said, we um, are sad. But there's a little Eastern whom I baptized, seven-year-old, um, at, at Easter. Mm-hmm. So he, he came to me. Uh, he gave me a little note, a letter, which said, um, uh, we are sad uh, that we lost this church. Um, but uh, he said, I believe. I believe. So that moved me. He said everything. You know, that faith is there, that God will... Uh, move 
things forward for us. So that's my prayer, that people not constantly look back. Yes, look back and remember and be thankful for all that God has done, but they may be able to look forward with hope uh, in faith and then to come together as a community and say, we will rise from here. God will help us. And the original church, I told them, the church that is gone now is the third church that these uh, settlers built. The first mm-hmm. one was gone in four months uh, due to a storm in 1884. Uh, and then the next one they built on the same site, it was gone in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then they built this one that lasted for 125 years. Wow. I said it is now you're called as a generation, which we never expected the day before. And right. None of us thought that this responsibility would be given to us. But now God is calling us for this challenge that we need to build up a community of faith. We need to raise this church for our children, our children, children, and for generations to come for another 150 years or more. God's presence will be felt and people can see and come and worship him. And so that is your responsibility and we need to work together is what I said. So that's my prayer. That's a beautiful response. I think that probably brought all of your parishioners so much comfort and in in a sense a um, a triumph out of tragedy in in of sorts. And Father Edwin, I was wondering if you could speak to the um the actions of a few either parishioners or local residents to come in and uh-huh. preserve I from what the news story said, it said sacred vessels. I think we saw also in the news that the the Blessed Sacrament, at least a portion yeah. of it, was uh, was preserved from the fire, although the tabernacle was uh, consumed in the flames, but did survive intact. Uh, but some yeah. sacred vessels were saved by the heroic actions of of a young man. Is that? Can you shed any light yeah. on that that particular story? Sure, sure. Like I said, uh, all it took was about. Um, 35 minutes for the whole uh, church to come down. Goodness. So, um, But then as soon as it started at the, at the South Star, there was a young man, um, Jason Hoff, and then um, with him, another young man, Kelly, and a few others, like four guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they broke open the, the, the door of the, the sacristy for the altar service. Uh, that was, the, you know, like the, by the sanctuary. So they got in, and they knew where the sacred vessels were. So they got the chalice and the ciboria, which we had bought just two years ago for the you know, precious things for our blessed Lord. So they saved those things. And then um, the missile, which was right there. So for this Sunday, we can still use all those things. Wow. Uh, they even bought or brought out the baptistry, which was there. They were trying to uh, take the tabernacle out, but uh, they couldn't because it was fastened to the altar. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of hard to pull that out. And it just, very soon the whole place was filled with smoke. If they remained there for a few more seconds, they would be in the, their lives would have been in danger. Right. So they did this heroic thing of going in, and you know that shows their love and the faith for, for God. And so we are, we are grateful that they were able to save uh, a few things uh, that way. And this morning I saw the, the cornerstone. Um, so it's a little cracked, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. Now in the ruins, we're looking for the relic of the Holy Cross. Right. And we're also looking for, uh, we found the uh, the relic stone that was there under the altar. I don't know which saints, though, but they found it are all cracked pieces. Okay. And among the uh, other things we have, the, we had three uh, bells. So the one big one, 
we found it, although it may not be usable, and the other two are cracked and uh, it's all pieces. Yeah, the, the heat so the was in, we intense. Salvage. Yes, yes. So the tabernacle we salvaged, uh, you know, when the fire was still going on, uh, when it was, everything was down, but it was still hot. So that is the one thing that I wanted. So mm-hmm. the firemen helped me find it and bring it out, and they broke it. But the heat was so intense, um, I could find um, the chalice, uh, I mean, the ciborium broken, but the little lunette, uh, which was there with his precious Lord in it. So I took it out intact mm-hmm. and uh, kept it um, in the neighboring building mm-hmm. uh, All the adoration people came there. Well, Father, I also um, have my mind is always turning towards like tomorrow and the next day and then this following Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any plans for you meeting to, to, to have Mass here in the near future yeah. at a location? And can you tell us where that is? Yes. Um, um, we have been having Mass yesterday, today, and every day, as usual, because we are fortunate. Uh, God has blessed us. Besides this beautiful church, we have a religious building uh, on the other side of the church, or the, you know, on the, facing the church on the right side, on the left is my rectory. So mm-hmm. nothing happened to that building. Um, so we had Mass there yesterday and today, and we will continue to have Mass. Wonderful. But for the Sunday, since it's a bigger crowd, uh, so I've been in discussion with the bishop and uh, the diocese, and you're going to have Mass there in the parish hall this Sunday. So this weekend and next weekend, we're going to have only one Mass the weekend to get all the community together to grieve and to thank God and, you know, to celebrate the community. So we're going to have only one Mass this Sunday and next Sunday, and that'll be at 9 o'clock in the morning uh, in the parish hall. And then after that, we will have a Saturday and Sunday as usual. Um, for the time being in the uh, Saturday night Mass, it's a smaller crowd uh, in the religious building, and then uh, the Sunday Mass in the hall uh, for a couple of months until we find another building close to the hall. We want to spend some money to um, make it uh, okay for people to uh, mm-hmm. you know, have some air and heat in the winter and mm-hmm. use that as a temporary ch- uh, place for worship until we rebuild this church. Well, Father, I think it was just so beautiful what you said about um, grieving for the mother, and that is mm-hmm. something that we'll take to the Blessed Mother as well to to really be um, covering the whole area with prayer and just love. So just know how much um, the people of the Brazos Valley just love and and care for this uh, parish community that you you are in charge of right now. So so much love goes out to that. And speaking yeah. of the the Blessed Mother. Um, Something that uh, a picture that was shared around Facebook, uh, Roger Martinez and Lily Martinez uh, mm-hmm. shared a picture of a statue of the Blessed Mother yeah. in a, yeah. a window that was burning. Yeah. Uh huh. And can, yeah, can you speak to that statue? And I'm I'm assuming that statue was consumed. Yes. Um, this church not only had some uh, marvelous, gorgeous, uh, uh, you know, a stained glass windows. There are so many of them. In fact, my plan to celebrate the 125th anniversary, one of the plans that I had in mind, which I wanted to do as my own project, uh, the uniqueness of each of those stained glasses. So I wanted to write uh, one page on each of those glasses, uh, depicting what uh, symbol there was. Mm-hmm. So it had beautiful stained glass windows all around the place from Europe from the 1800s. 
but uh, the statues too. We had a lot of uh, you know beautiful statues, life size statues. Mm-hmm. There's a statue of uh, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, uh, close to the uh, relic of the Holy Cross, and so uh, that's a beautiful statue. And uh, when the fire was on, and people all over, you know, surrounding, they were there, and they saw through the window. Uh, I mean, when they took the picture, I can see in the picture through the window, mm-hmm. this statue of our Blessed Mother standing there. Um, I I believe, uh, I think what must have happened is since the pedestal was wooden, not stone, so finally would have caved in, you know, so the statue would have fallen probably and cracked. So when I saw that picture and, you know, people saw that, it was amazing to see our Blessed Mother still standing in the midst of uh, all the fire to tell us, uh, have the resolve, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. So it was a beautiful picture beautiful. that was shared, yeah. I think that's a just a perfect message for us to, to kind of wrap up, because we would love to talk to you for the full hour, Father Edwin, but we know that you've got many logistical things and many different things to take care of. So just the fact that you're able to spend any time with us, we're, yes, we're just very so honored. But before we go, well, it would so be... Privileged. Very special to us. If you could give us your priestly blessing, Father, would you would you do yeah. that for us? Yeah. Of course, of course. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Heavenly Father, you're so precious, and you look at us as your precious children. Look upon this community that's grieving now, although this church that we called our home and we came to worship you is no more in our sight. We know that your presence is always here in faith. So we ask you to be with us and guide us through this time and help all those who help us, our fighters, the volunteers, and the generous people all over the world who show their concern and comfort us in our sorrow and share their praise with us. Bless all of us. And may we always trust in you and know that the home may be gone, but the family is here. The church may be gone, but your presence is here. Give us comfort and hope, and as we ask for your blessing, and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful, Father. Amen. Thank Amen. you so much. And Amen. we we thank God that you are safe and that you are strong, as strong as ever. Such a wonderful spiritual father for that community. Thank you so much for serving there and for your time here and for all your friendship and love. Yes, thank you, Father. Thank so you very much. much. I love you all so much. We love um, you, Father. Give up to all the people there. Yes. Thank God bless you. you. We love you too. Well, you are listening to Red Sea Roundup. That was Father Edwin Cagoo uh, with the Church of the Visitation in Westphalia, um, Texas. And if you've been listening, you will kind of hear just that hope and that joy that's coming across in Father's voice. And I think it's just so, so beautiful the way the Holy Spirit works that he is assigned there during this time um, in history for him to be their pastor. So it's quite beautiful today. Um, I also want to just take a second to, to, to kind of recap just as, as you, as you've been listening to the show that the, the main themes that's really come out of it was a certain sense of rising up, um, not proverbial from the ashes, but to rise up, um, to be people of faith, to give thanks to God. Um, they are going to be rebuilding. And so what really came to mind too, during the show was just a thought of, the, the settlers in that area and how they probably had very little, but yet because of the passion they had for Christ and his church, 
they built this beautiful church. And I don't know about you guys here in the studio with me and our listeners, but I started getting a very big sense of how spoiled we really are in this <laughs> modern age about what we, you know, what we have. And we walk into a space and perhaps we're more critical. But then I think of these settlers, um, these religious, um, faithful ancestors of ours in the Catholic faith who just really put a lot of blood and sweat into building that lovely church. And so now is a time to call to, to do that, not only in Westphalia, but what about here in our own community? Mm-hmm. You know, as we see so much uh, difficulty in the church as a whole, we're, we're, we're called to rise up again, that striving for excellence. You know, we talk about that on the show a lot with a course of human formation that I love to discuss, but this, that, that striving for excellence in our faith. And I think that uh, this was a good, very good reminder of how it was back when that church was built. And it's also um, just looking forward, how beautiful the hope in Father Edwin's voice is. And, and what a beautiful thing that uh, he's been able to give us today. Yeah, that's very good, Pam. The the parishioners at that time, they hauled the wood, they hauled the stone, they did most of the carpentry themselves, they hewed those pews themselves. Uh, it was a lot of contribution from the parishioners themselves, and that was a that was a labor of love. Mm-hmm. It really was, like a, that um, quote I gave from St. Faustina. And I also would like to encourage the people who listen today to go listen to Bishop Joe's press conference and— um, Contact him on Facebook, contact the diocese, and encourage him today. He was talking about the presence of God being with those people in this devastation, that the Virgin Mother was there watching over us at the foot of the cross of Christ, Mm -hmm. and he did such a good job of evangelizing to the wider world. He was a beautiful, wonderful example of a shepherd, and I... Praise him for that. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So, you know, it was their third church that they built within 15 years. So it's it's amazing, the resilience. And so uh, as we wrap up this show, we want you to continue to keep all in Westphalia in your prayers. Keep the church in your prayers and uh, keep us in your prayers. You've been listening to Red Sea Roundup on KEDC. Thank you for joining us today. And until next time, we hope that you will go and love your neighbors.